Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Mo DeKeel. Andrew Schlecht is our producer today. There are no games as of last night, so we're going to talk about the games coming up over the weekend while we wait for the next thing on Monday morning. So we're going to start. We're just going to go in order here. So let's start with Miami. They're heading back to Philadelphia. They're up 2-0. The series has not been that close so far. Kyle Lowry is upgraded to questionable. Joel Embiid is ruled out, at least for now, because he's in the concussion protocol, so I guess he can't be ruled doubtful. But there was also that report that he couldn't even read the things on his phone yesterday. So how the hell is he going to play in the NBA uh, two days after that? But so who do you think is even going to play in this game? And what do you think is going to happen for Philly's chances to try to make this a series? I mean, it's such a slim, slim chance for Philly to make this just a game. Forget making it a series, Jared. Just make one of these a game. And I think it's going to have to be just incredibly hot shooting. I mean, they're going to need everybody rolling. It's going to be Tyrese Maxey, who dropped 30 in game two, but he's got to be on like another level. Tobias Harris has got to step up. And obviously the guy we really need to see get going is James Harden, right? Like he needs to show he can be old James Harden. I just don't know if he could do that, Jared. I miss the old Kanye. I miss the old James. He was six for 15 in game two. He had nine times at least, but like, yeah, it was Tyrese was one carrying the offense and they shot eight for 30 from three. Uh, Tobias was the only person multiple threes. Oh no. Kirk Cork was, was two for four, but Danny green one for nine, Maxi one for four, Harden one for five. It's like, how, how do you win a series as an underdog when three of your key shooters can't even shoot? Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're just under so much duress in terms of lineups. Look, they're, they're, they have maybe six guys. Niang's dealing a little bit with a, a couple of nagging injuries and stuff like that. But like, it's about it. Everybody else in that series is really outmatched. I for the Sixers, it's 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 challenging. It's an uphill battle. I really think Miami should be able to just win these games pretty handily, even in Philly. Yeah, and and Jimmy Butler was just so good in the last game. Bam out of bio. I feel like he's really finding his rhythm here. I mean, is Miami? Miami's really dominating this series right now. Is Miami looking like they're a title, like a, a like a major even title contender with the other teams that have been getting a lot of the credit for being that? Yes and no. I mean, look, they're doing the job they're supposed to, but they haven't really faced great opponents. I mean, the Sixers without Joel Embiid, we're, we're watching it. I mean, this is a team that probably barely makes the play-in tournament. Uh, Atlanta, who barely made the play-in tournament, you know, was a, a shell of themselves when Bogdanovich got hurt as well, and he missed the last game. Um, but ultimately, too, they're doing their job. They're beating everybody they're supposed to beat. They're handling their business. I mean, they're right up there, and they're probably going to have an easy walk to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're going to be very well-rested, and that bodes well for them going into the next series. We're heading out to Dallas. Phoenix is up 2-0 on the Mavericks. They won that fir- The first game was tighter. Luka had a huge scoring night, and then... Game two, 129-109 win, and they were just targeting Luka over and over. I mean, over and over and over and over and over again. It feels like it was just nonstop. It was anytime he was on the court, you knew he was going to be in the play. And, I mean, CP was incredible. But the truth is, the Mavs got to figure out how can they hide Luka. Like, they just simply oh, yeah. can't let 
the Suns continue to so easily get these switches onto him and put him in these tough situations, and then it just kind of breaks down the defense because that's what Chris is going to do. That's what Devin Booker is going to do, you know. And and even if you double those guys, they'll find the they'll find the bridges who will drive in the baseline and things like that. That's the real challenge for the Mavs there defensively. And then the Mavs they need. Jalen Brunson. They need Spencer Dewitty. They need at least one of those guys to make a big impact offensively. They saw that in the last series. It's not happening right now for them. Yeah, I mean, it's oh surprise! You're playing a team that plays defense now in the next no. round. Like it's a, it's such a massive difference for Brunson and Dinwiddie to not be able to attack as freewheeling as they were before. But I think some of it too is, you know, the the Mavs have got to kind of diversify their offense here a little bit. It can't just be all Luka. That's going to wear him out. And then he's going to have to deal with them targeting him on the defensive end. Those guys have to step up. And it's those two guys. It's Dorian Finney-Smith. Reggie Bullock hit some threes. Kleba's been hitting some shots. But they almost need to do more on that end. And and, and I think it's going to be a real challenge for them. I, man, it's tough, Jared. I, I don't feel very confident in them in this series either. Let's move on to Saturday. Celtics, they're heading to Milwaukee. They just tied up the series. Giannis has not had a huge game yet. He was move, he, great playmaking in game one, but still couldn't really score on the interior that well, at least in the half court. Game two, Celtics really took him out of what he's doing. I mean, what are you seeing from what Boston's pulling off so far? I mean, Boston's doing a great job and defensively with Al Horford and Grant Williams. I mean, even in those two games, even the game they lost, they've been able to hold up against Giannis physically and that's something you rarely see happen like there's maybe four or five guys that I think can bang with Giannis like that and the Celtics have shown that they have two of them and it goes a long way for that where Giannis isn't able to just walk through his defender to get right to the rim yeah that's been big for them because not only can Grant Williams hold up as a second defender on Giannis or a second guy to rotate in that defensive rotation on him but he's shooting the ball well He's moving the ball well when he attacks, and they're getting two-way play out of their two main Giannis stoppers. It's really rare that a defense ever has that when they're going up against like an MVP caliber player in a playoff series, and they got to send a defensive specialist at them. And Jared, I got to ask you the question because this is your series. You're a beat writer for us at the Athletic for the cover in the Celtics. Oh, this guy knows how to plug, you know. So my question to you, Jared, is what are the, what is Boston doing on the offensive end? Oh, man, it's funny because they got taken out of their offense completely in game one. You saw the Bucks were pressing them full court, which you don't get to see very often these days. And they kept driving on Giannis and Brooke Lopez for some reason, even though those are like the two best rim protectors in the NBA. So they figured out how to deal with those two things. I think the big thing is they were just kind of shocked by the pressure in game one. They settled into their offense much more in game two. And they just got more patient, just working the ball around. You know, this this Celtics team, ironically, became a great ball movement team over the course of the second half of the season. And they've been really leaning into that so far. And we're seeing in game two, they just kept swinging the ball side to side. Milwaukee, they hard close out. They collapse the paint. You do that enough, you're going to twist them in a knot and you're going to get a completely wide open shot. They showed the patience to find those wide open shots. And we saw in the first half, I mean, they the first quarter, they were absolutely insane. They didn't miss a shot really in the first quarter. Grant Williams and Jalen Brown hit almost every shot they took. And, you know, that cooled off a little bit, but they were just so great early on that they were able to have a comfortable lead that entire time as the game got a lot tighter. Another question for you here. This is me doing the reporter stuff now. Look at me, analyst chair. Yeah, let's go. Put you right in there. What's the story on Marcus Smart, injury-wise? How healthy is he? Is he coming back game three? What can we expect from him? 
He thinks he is. He so he's got a pretty banked up quad. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say he thinks he is because it doesn't mean the world agrees. So he has a pretty nasty quad contusion. It's an injury that kept him out for a few games earlier this year. We found out earlier uh, on on Thursday, Thursday, right, that he has a lot of fluid buildup in his knee, and his knee isn't really bending like it's supposed to, and blah blah blah. That's why he couldn't play in game two. If they can get that inflammation down, he thinks he'll be able to play in game three. They have a pretty good size layoff. Like they played game two on Tuesday. Game three is until Saturday afternoon. So it certainly could happen. And, you know, they, they played great without him in game two. Usually, you know, that's is that the Ewing theory that Bill Simmons came up with, right? It's like you lose you lose a great player and then you bounce back because you work really hard to overcome it. It is hard to sustain that. I would be amazed if they could sustain that same level of you know focus and intensity without uh, without him again, or just like even when he comes back, and he's not one hundred percent. They're going to lose a little bit of that edge, and that's fine because their offense is at least operating on time and it wasn't, it was complete. Every single bit of it was thrown off in game one. So them being able to find that in game two, Giannis just not being able to get through Al Horford and Grant Williams consistently so far in the half court, that's been huge. Those are two things that I wouldn't be shocked wouldn't change dramatically, but if Milwaukee can start turning them over again, if they can keep Boston off the offensive glass and the Bucks just keep getting out in transition, even when the Celtics play good transition defense, it's still Giannis out there. He still just dances through three guys at a time to get to the basket. So that's where Milwaukee wins the series. Last series for us to get to, Memphis Grizzlies. They head out to San Francisco. They're going to face the Golden State Warriors out there. The series is tied. We get The Saturday games are tied. The Friday games are lopsided. It's a 2-3 series. We want them to be tied, right? <laughs> and so uh, it's a bloodbath. Dylan Brooks got ejected and suspended for basically trying to beat the crap out of Gary Payton in midair. Gary Payton is going to be out, it seems like, for at, least, at the very least this series with the fractured elbow and the ligament damage in his elbow. That's a big loss. Uh, but Dylan Brooks, you know, has been a – they're both important players in the rotation. What, what do you make of the loss for game three of those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bigger loss for the Warriors in the sense of Gary Payton was their best point of attack defender, and that's something that they needed on jaw, especially late in that game, in game two. And I think they haven't found the guy that they can feel comfortable putting on jaw and saying, cool, we got it. I think we're going to need to see some more defensive adjustments from the Warriors and how they defend Ja more specifically. Hey, maybe push him to his right instead of just let him constantly getting to his left. Not a terrible idea. You know, just, just a thought. And then I think, you know, overall – they need to kind of get going on the offensive end. Curry needs to it's funny. Curry's shooting like I think 38.7% for, for from three in the series. And the funny thing is, that's not good enough. That's not what we're used to from Curry. You know, he's raised the standard. They need he needs to get going. We need to have a quintessential Steph Curry monster game in game three. I think it's coming for the Warriors. Never thought I'd see this in a million years. Steph Curry three for eleven from three. That's not a shocker. Game two. John Morant was 5 for 12. John Morant hit and took more threes than Steph Curry. That was remarkable. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. If you're the the Warriors, you're okay with that. It's almost like Giannis to a degree in the sense of like, let him shoot those threes. It's better that than him getting into the paint. If he's going to do that again, he's going to do that. We'll live with that. But for the most part, you got to deal with it. And I think that's that's the situation there. You just can't let yeah, John you just can't let Ja get into the paint so easily as he has been doing for most of the series. So Memphis was with basically a nine-man rotation uh, in game two. Yeah, real quick. I need to make a correction because Twitter is going to come at me. He, 
Curry shooting 34.8% from three. He needs to be doing much you? better than that. Sorry. How, how could you? How could you? Okay, I, so. I betrayed everybody's trust. <laughs> so Memphis is going pretty deep into their rotation. Uh, you know, Golden State, they, I mean, Damian Lee and Kevon Looney played eight minutes in this game, but like they're not, they're not quite going as deep. Does that make sense for Memphis to spread it out like that? I mean, it seems like it based on the talent, but it is the playoffs, and most teams tend to not do a nine-man rotation. I mean, some of it is foul trouble, right? Jaron Jackson Jr. just can't stay on the floor. Even in game one, he picked up three early fouls in the first half, then ended up finally being able to play in the second half. Uh, He fouls out in game two. I think they just kind of are struggling with fouling constantly and and, and guys ending up in foul trouble. So they are going a little deeper in their rotation. The good news for them is they're pretty good. Right, like you're, when you're good. able to bring on DeAnthony Melton off the bench, you know, and, and and he steps in and plays really well. Zaire Williams having an unbelievable. <laughs> he went four for eight in game two. I think like you're 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 getting contributions from guys, so you're able to survive in that sense. For the Warriors, it's getting a little thinner and it's getting scary now for them, and I think they're going to have to really start figuring out not just the rotation, but the the groupings. Who can we have out there at the same time? You know, with Peyton out now, you know, are you going to start Jordan Poole and go totally offensive, or are you going to go defensive and start Looney? Like, that's some of the questions Kerr is going to have to answer for the start of Game 3. And last thing real quick, Steven Adams, if he's coming back, where are you putting him into this rotation? I, I would put him into the starting lineup if I was Memphis. I think having Adams out there shows and the numbers bear it out. He's able to help Jaron Jackson stay out of foul trouble, and that's kind of an important thing there. And again, it helps increasing the advantages on the boards and things like that. So I would probably bring him into the starting lineup there. Yep, Jaron Jackson's better when he plays a full game, and the Daily Ding's better when you listen all the way to the end because you get to hear the two words that we all love to hear. Ding, ding.